On Sunday mornings, we are in a series called Call Out. This series is about focusing our prayer lives personally, individually, intentionally, and with great thought and care. Because of the one, not because of the one who prays, but because of the one to whom we pray. If you've been paying attention, we've noticed that we've covered different types of prayer. We started out the very first sermon talking about the prayer of adoration. Praising God for who he is. Then last last week we talked about the prayer of confession. Where we bring to him our imperfections. Our shortcomings. Every way in which we have fallen short. Knowing that his mercy extends forever and ever. We not only confess our sin for healing. But we confess Christ as part of the salvation process. And today we talk about the prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is where the prayer of thanksgiving is where you verbalize what you're grateful for in your life and in the world around you. Uh, we can do this, and some of the people who led prayers this morning were very good and intentional about thanking God for a lot of things, and it's good to do that. Little kids, however, are the best at this. If we pay attention uh, to their prayers, uh, maybe you've been at the dinner table with hands folded and heads bowed and eyes closed as you heard a prayer like this. All the angels and thank you for our our pizza and our plate and our and our cups and and our silverware and and our sugar and thanks for um baby Jesus and thanks for Christmas Eve. And thanks for all our presents, and thanks for my friends and my brother's friends, and my dad's friends, and my mom's friends, and my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> not. Thank you, sir. That's very good. We've been around those kind of prayers, right? Let's eat, okay? That's funny, it's amusing to us, but also I think it's a good example for us. Sometimes we just need to pour out every reason for which we are thankful. So this morning, you know what, I'm going to give you a challenge. Now, I'll say this challenge is for those of you 18 and under. I see guys' heads bowed and, and, and you're always working on something, so I know you're always taking notes during the sermon. But if you will, this morning, you and, and anyone else 18 and under, here's the challenge. Take out your handout this morning. I want you to fill up your handout, every blank area of the handout, front and back, and fill it as full as you can with every single thing you're thankful for, okay? Now, the the first three of you that have a full handout, and you can't repeat an answer, okay? You can't just write Chick-fil-A, 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 Chick-fil-A. It doesn't work like that. But the first three of you who give me a full handout will get a free Chick-fil-A meal, and Chick-fil-A. Uh, just a word to the wise, don't try to redeem that today. Okay, but that's a real deal. You can come on and, and just come find me after the sermon and show me your handout and show me how full you filled it, thanking God for God's blessings. Because I think that's a, a, a discipline that not just children, but adults need to get into to be able to, to understand that God doesn't owe you a single thing. And yet, he blesses you with everything, over and over, 
and over again. Now, I want to be careful as we talk about thanksgiving that we don't get that confused with adoration, which was our first sermon. Okay, the prayer of adoration is praising God for who he is. The prayer of thanksgiving focuses on what God has done. Psalm 103, verse 2. If you got your Bibles, turn there. Psalm 103, verse 2 says simply this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. I think it's a good, healthy thing to do, and certainly a very humbling thing to do when you begin to examine all his benefits and his blessings. But but too often, instead of being like this little girl, uh, we might be like... Lord, thank you for this lovely meal that you have blessed us with, Lord. Lord, we just ask that you bless it to our bodies, Lord, that you... Uh, <clears throat> That we just glorify you in all we do, Lord. <laughs> Lord, don't laugh. Close your eyes and pray. And Lord, we just pray that nobody's eating with their eyes closed and pretending like they're praying, Lord. Why? Why, Lord? Why? Lord, we just ask that, that you uh, give, let this meal give us strength and health and not weakness or sickness, Lord. <clears throat> And, Lord, we trust you. We love you. We just ask that you bless us, oh, God. Bless us. In Jesus' name. Oh, wait. And bless those that don't have a meal, Lord. Please put somebody in their lives to give them a meal, Father. We're so fortunate over here, Lord. And the the less fortunate, we just ask that you help them. Be with them. Stop laughing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Funny, but also poignant, because sometimes we, like him, are so busy gorging on God's blessings that we forget to show gratitude for them. May we, may we not do that. May we, as we go to God in prayer personally, individually, and certainly collectively, may we take time and pause and reflect on just how good God is and how every good and perfect gift comes from above. Uh, Someone said it this way, I thought it was very good. What if tomorrow you had only that which you were thankful for today? If we're honest, most of us would wake up tomorrow hungry, cold, thirsty, naked. Because we we just take those blessings for granted. And and gratitude and thankfulness toward God for his blessings is not something that should just be talked about at a Thanksgiving sermon or at a Thanksgiving Devo. For the disciple, it becomes a lifestyle of understanding our dependence and gratitude toward God. So if we begin to understand the prayer of Thanksgiving, we practice it, it'll change us. I'm going to give you three ways it'll change us this morning. First... The prayer of thanksgiving alters your attitude. The prayer of thanksgiving teaches us that God is good. Psalm 107, verse 1. If you're turning in your Bibles, you want to turn there. Psalm 107, verse 1. says simply this. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. 
His love endures forever. Now, we just sang that. I just read that. But, but I want to call your attention to what it says here. It says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. We're called to love God and to thank God and to appreciate what God has done for us at all times. Uh, repeat back to me what you know you're supposed to say when I say this. God is good. And all the time. Now, I love that saying, and that's true. But a lot of times we end up saying the, the term God is good when we are good. How are things going, Brother Joe? Well, God is good. Got into a new house. Really love it. It's very nice. Very appreciative. God is good. Well, how are you doing, Sister Susie? Well, God is so good. I got a promotion at work. I've got a nice new corner office. God sure is blessing us. You see, we focus on God being good more often when we, when things are good for us. But the psalmist tells us to give thanks to the Lord for he is good in all, at all times, in all circumstances, in all situations. God is good even when life isn't. Especially when we aren't. Joseph, you know the story of Joseph, Joseph from the book of Genesis. He learned that God is good whether he was wearing that beautiful coat of many colors. He knew that God was good. But he also learned later that God was good as he sat at the bottom of the pit. God was good. And as he sat isolated in a prison cell accused of a crime that he did not commit, he would later understand that God is good. And as God later elevated him up into Pharaoh's side, he would learn deeply that God is good. God's goodness did not depend on Joseph's circumstances or upon ours. I don't know what you're going through this morning. If you're on the mountaintop or way down in the valley. But let me tell you this. God is good. And his love endures forever. We have some families at Northside that do a great job of instilling this value within their kids. Paul and Stacey Harrington, I heard this example, that they, as they share around the dinner table in the evening meal, before they begin that meal together, everyone has to go around and share one good thing and one bad thing that happened to them that day. And at the end of sharing the bad thing, they're supposed to say this, but God is still good. And then they're supposed to say why he's still good. And I was talking to Paul about that this morning, and he said they got that from uh, the Martins. And so I appreciate that that value being instilled with our children because they need to know that God is still good. Regardless of the circumstances, regardless of your life. Uh, now, I, I know some of you have been following along diligently in your Bible, but I need you this morning to turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 4, we're going to read through verse 7. Here's what I want you to do. When you get there in your in your hard copy Bible, you get there on your phone, when you, when you get there in the Pew Bible, if you're going on Pew Bible, it's page 1163. Whenever you get there, I need you to just say, I got it. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. When you get there, tell me you got it. 
Because I, I don't just need you to be there. I need this scripture to be in you. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Now, I, I've asked Luke Campbell to read it for us this morning. And I hope you're there. And I hope that you'll let it penetrate your heart. Luke. Rejoice in the Lord always. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop. Wait a second. Luke, what are you telling me? Rejoice in the Lord always. Do you know what kind of day I had yesterday, Luke? I took my 2001 Ford Explorer Sport Track to the guy who was supposed to just change the oil. All he was supposed to do was change the oil. And I'd be on my way. But he was very enthusiastic, Luke. $700 later... My truck was on its way, and it was easier because my wallet was considerably lighter. And you're telling me to rejoice in the Lord always? Read it again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always? Always. All right, keep going. I will say it again. Rejoice. I hear you, but it's getting a little annoying. Keep going. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. My gentleness? My gentleness? I don't know if you were driving along beside me this morning, but did you see the guy who cut me off? You know, they're in that construction lane and they're just zipping on by and you're just like, you're just hoping, you just hope all the cars stay together so they just have to wait. But no, that's not how it works, is it? I'm supposed to let my gentleness, do you know this entire town is covered in orange cones? My gentleness? My gentleness be evident to all. Paul did not understand Wichita traffic. Keep going. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Wait a second. Uh, Luke, I just want you to read the first part of this slide again. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, every did you just have the gall to say in every situation? Do you know I went to the doctor's office this week and do you know what the doctor told me? And you tell me to come to church and to rejoice and to have thanksgiving in every situation. Do you understand that my marriage is hanging on by a thread? And you say in every situation? Do you understand my my parents? Do you understand the stress that I am under? In every situation... Keep going. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you got it? No, no, do you got it? Tell me, do you got it? I don't mean, are you in here? I mean, is this in you? Because what Paul's saying here is so, so true that the thanksgiving will drastically 
impact and change and alter our attitude forever. And it will change how you pray. It will change how you interact with other people. It will change how you drive. It will change everything in your attitude and your perspective if you'll let it. But we get it reversed. We let the externals influence the internals. And what Paul's saying here is the internals are what serve as foundation for the externals. May we not forget that it is trans, uh, that is thanksgiving, which leads us to the peace of God. So we're not anxious about every situation because we know that God's got this. God's got us. May we let his promise and his word nestle deep within our hearts. You see, God's peace has nothing to do with your problems or your position or your possessions or your lack thereof. God's peace has everything to do with his presence in your life and more specifically in your heart. The world says, the world says, you know... Apple has a beautiful new phone and a lovely new watch. And if you'll just get that, uh, then you'll have what you need. The world's constantly trying to sell you that if you just have this, if you just get to this level, if you just achieve this, you'll have peace. And Paul goes exactly the other way. He says, listen. In every situation, you can't be anxious, but you got to pray and petition God with thanksgiving in your heart. And then that peace that you so eagerly desire will be in your heart. It will pass all understanding. When you get this, it doesn't just change your attitude, by the way. It also impacts your worship. And we got a lot of people in worship today. We do most every Sunday. But... Can I ask you this morning, is worship in you? It's not just about being in worship. It's about letting worship be in you. Psalm 100, the verse that was read. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations I need you to help me here. Just just close your eyes. I don't want you to look at anyone. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. Think of this as seventh inning stretch during the sermon, okay? Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to take 30 seconds, and I want you to do nothing but thank God silently for your blessings, and you can be as specific as you want, okay? Count your blessings, name them one by one. Okay, do that right now for 30 seconds. I know we could go on much longer, but I want you to open your eyes. I want you to think about the things that you have just praised God for. And now I want you to do this. I want you to look to your left or to your right. Or the person behind you, the person in front of you. I want you to share with at least one other person one thing 
that you are thankful to God for. You don't have to give them the whole list, but you prayed about at least one of them. Share that right now. Give you 30 seconds. Okay, I see the elders looking at me. If you don't shut it down, we're never going to get out of here. Okay, now listen to me. Turn to Colossians 3, verse 15 and 16, and see if you don't read this scripture with new eyes. Colossians 3, verses 15 and 16. Paul says this right into the church at Colossae, chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. See, see, the the sound that you heard there was the praise of God. Now, I didn't sound like the formal praise of God that we do and that's good to do, but it was letting gratitude and thankfulness dwell in our hearts. And did you notice how it just changed the mood in the room? I mean, you're like, man, I can't believe he gave us a 30-second nap and then he let us talk during the sermon. It is awesome. And it just changed. It lightened the mood. It, 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 it. Brought more people smiling and engaged in interacting with one another. Paul says that thankfulness is a core part of the attitude of worship. You see, it, it not just alters your attitude, but it impacts your worship. And as we finish, praying thankfully will affect everything else. Now, now we just read Colossians 3, 15, and 16, so I hope you're still there. If you are... Think about verse 17. Paul goes on to write. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Gratitude, you see, affects everything, even in the worst of things. Look at this picture on the screen. Now, this car was in a wreck And the driver who was in the car that was in a wreck is a guy that you know. Morgan Gardner was driving this car. Uh, This happened, I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. And Morgan put this on his Instagram, which is, of course, what you do these days when you have a car wreck. Um, Get it on Instagram first. Um, But then Charles later texted me about this. Now, I guarantee you that Charles looks at that picture and this picture and this picture with gratitude in his heart because he's understanding that his son, who's right back there, is here this morning. And, and, and I hope that worship was a little sweeter and a little greater to Morgan this morning when he understands how bad that could have been. But God rescued, God saved, God protected, and so that gratitude infused. And so it altered 
The attitude, it altered his worship. It affected everything, you see. We can look at even the worst situation and give praise and glory to God. That's how Christians are affected by gratitude. Light of life. This, their theme this year is John eight twelve. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the light is shining through you. So here are some people that volunteered at Carpenter Place over Labor Day weekend. They were taking their extra long weekend and serving the girls and the staff and the people at Carpenter Place. They came out to help prepare and, and get the campus ready for some events they have coming up. Many hands make light work. First Thessalonians 5 says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Rejoice Pray, give thanks in all circumstances. God wants us to be thankful in all circumstances that we might learn and trust and know that he is above all circumstances. Why is gratitude God's will? Because an attractive heart, a thankful spirit is one that is beautiful to both God and others. Think about it. For those of you who go to work, who go to work tomorrow Monday morning. And you have two different coworkers. You have one coworker who's positive and grateful and thankful. And, and everything they do, there's a thank you almost behind it. They have a smile on their face and joy in their hearts. And then there's that other coworker. And they find the cloud in every silver lining. They're always blaming other people. They're always making excuses. They're, they're always just complaining about woe is me and all the things I'm going through. Which one of those two co-workers do you want to be around? That's why it says God's will for you in Christ Jesus. When we're grateful and thankful, we're attractive to other people. And other people want to be around Christians and know the Christ that they follow. It's very important, maybe eternally so. It affects our Sunday worship, but it deeply impacts our Monday through Saturday Worship, Because when gratitude permeates our hearts, it shows up in our hands and in our lives. So I want to give you the challenge for this week. We've been giving kind of a fasting challenge every week. And this one's kind of a tough one. But I want you to fast from buying non-essential things. This week I want you to avoid Amazon. I want you to skip Starbucks. You say, oh, (laughs) you went from preaching to meddling. You said non-essential things, I think is what you said. I want you to terminate Target. You say, can we even buy groceries? Groceries are fine. That's all right. If you don't have any food. Can we go buy clothes? If you don't have any to wear. You see, I want you to stop trying to fill your heart with what the world tells you need to have peace. And I want you to focus on being content and having peace in him. And and I'm going to join you this week, okay? I'm going to join you, not buying anything non-essential. I'm not even going to Chick-fil-A today, okay? I just, I want to, solidarity, okay? So see if you can do it. See how it affects you. If you can avoid trying to fill your heart with stuff and still fill your heart with him. Now, as we close today, as we always do, we offer the invitation. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul said this to the church of Corinth. He said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
And of course, he's talking about the grace shown us through Christ. And, and if you're here in, and you're in Christ, then you should be grateful and thankful and it should just permeate an overflow in every area of your life. Because in Jesus Christ, if you have nothing, if all you have is him, and you've got everything you need. But if you're here this morning and you do not know Christ, or maybe more specifically, he doesn't know you. If you haven't repented, if you haven't confessed his beautiful name, if you haven't been immersed in the waters of baptism for the forgiveness of sins and received the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit, then you too can say thanks be to God for that indescribable gift. It's yours for the taking. All you have to do is take of it. If you're ready to take, if you're ready to partake of the beautiful family of Christ, join us, join our shepherds down front, and we'll help you to do that as together we stand and sing.